0: When Joseph Campbell writes about the hero's journey, he describes the critical turning point when the protagonist or the hero meets a mentor or guide who gives some crucial new piece of information to help them navigate the path ahead. This piece of information is often a talisman or a symbol, something that, without which, the hero would be at a loss to reach their eventual destination. Today's guest, April
1: Diaz, is going to share from her story about the role of mentors and guides, both in positive times to pursue personal growth and to understand ourselves more, and
0: also when pattern interruptions happen, when we hit those pivotal turning moments and we need guidance for the road ahead. I hope you enjoy this week's episode of The Transformationist.
1: Are you thirsty for inspiration and curious about the life-changing process of transformation? Welcome to The Transformationist. Whether you already know the transformation you're looking for, or you're looking for guidance on the way there, these stories of hope will give you practical tips, plenty of encouragement, and an invitation into real, life-giving transformation, whether you're transforming culture or becoming more yourself. Your story is welcome here.
0: It's really exciting to have uh, a fellow coach, somebody who actually coached me and then brought me into the world of coaching, uh, April Diaz, um, coming onto the show. And I'm so excited to have her here today because she is, uh, first and foremost, uh, a, a, a businesswoman and a strong advocate of women. Um, she's a compelling, uh, she's a compelling speaker and presenter. And does amazing coaching work with people. And so it's always an, an awesome opportunity to have someone uh, come on the show to be able to talk about a particular angle of transformation and things that can really make the difference and to be able to speak to that out of personal experience. So welcome, April.
2: Thanks, my friend. That was very kind.
0: <laughs> I try and be kind. I do try and be kind to guests, you know, before they like- It's probably better up. than
2: just talking crap about me. So I appreciate that.
0: <laughs> You're sweet. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely not. No crap. No, no nothing. So tell me a little bit, how did you get into the journey of being a coach and working in this area of transformation in other people's lives?
2: Well, I think transformation has been a part of my vocational journey um, as a result of it necessitating to be my personal journey. I think one has to spur the other one. And so it certainly makes more sense if the personal drives the vocational. Um, But I was a pastor in local churches for 17 years, and that's kind of the gig in the local church, you know, in in spiritual settings is you want to see transformation take place in people's lives. You want to see them uh, move more into the people that they've been created to be and become more fully themselves. And so I did that, um, predominantly as a youth pastor and, uh, but then in like some executive leadership roles. And so vocationally that was happening like on the exterior, but for me personally, since I was 18 years old, actually even maybe a few years before that, I have been really um, grateful for the voices that have pushed me towards transformation, even when I wanted nothing to do with it. And That I've just collected different voices, mentors of all different kinds in my life over the last 20 plus years now. And I'm so grateful for it because I really, I mean, I I want to be the best version of myself thousand percent, but there's a lot of days, and I'm sure you talk to people about this all the time, not just on this podcast, but in the work that you do that like you want to change, but like the process of change and transformation is really painful and is really difficult mm-hmm. and it really sucks sometimes. And so why would you choose into that unless you had some people, <clears throat> excuse me, that would guide you toward that? And that's what those yeah. other external voices have done for me so that I can continue authentically and with integrity doing the work that I do vocationally um, and in my business to spur people towards that externally. So I don't know if that fully answers your question or not, but that's kind of been the, the big picture vision of what it's looked like in my life.
0: Yeah, I think it's, it sets the scene really, really nicely to talk about um, what I wanted to focus on today, which is this role of of mentors and guides and you know shepherds. There's lots of different language I think that we have yeah. around this idea. Um, Joseph Campbell talks about it as you know the guide or the guru that is mm-hmm. always somebody that we encounter in in our journey that that helps us reshape or reset and sends us in a different direction. Um, and then and then I think you know obviously in spiritual terms we often think about um, you know, people who, uh, while well, we think about spiritual leaders, I think in similar ways. And then um, I'm really interested in, you know, in what you just said there about about gathering and collecting those voices around yeah. you over, there. Um, because I think ultimately we do talk about on this podcast about the power of a girl gang. Um, yeah. Actually, as a result, as a result of uh, of a conversation, uh, one of these podcasts a couple of weeks back. Um, we've we've since invited, invited a couple of men into a girl gang who said, Hey, actually I could do with one of those. Mm. Can I, which is lovely, but they, but there's there's that idea of peer support that happens, you know, with, with, with a gang of friends around you. Um, but there's something a little bit, there's something a little bit deeper and richer, I think about that, that community of, of advisors or people who can tell you the uncomfortable truth about yourself. Yeah. Perhaps you don't want to hear it. Yeah. Um, is there a particular instance where that's been most relevant or pivotal for you in your journey that you can, that we can maybe lean into and flesh out some of what made it so, Mm. so critical?
2: Well, honestly, like I think that there's little experiences that happen for me on a weekly basis. Um, Mm. One is because I'm married to a man who just won't let me get away with the crap, you know, with (laughs) believing my own lies. Um, And he's really good and gracious, but, Consistent about revealing what is true about me. Um, Mm. And I've got a group of friends that I'm in a girl gang and, you know, dear friends that have known me historically, but also recently that are like that. So I think it's a pretty consistent, like almost weekly occurrence where somebody calls me on something or pushes me more into the truth of who I really am, um, even if I'm not living into that truth. But I would (sighs) say, like, one of the first times that that happened for me, um, was in my early twenties and I had a leader whose name is Jeannie. She was my boss. And, uh, she, I don't remember exactly where we were or what precipitated this, but I remember her calling me out and she just said like, you're really playing it safe. And in your leadership, you are over calculating all of your decisions and you're over calculating the, um, what it is that you need to do to move forward. And so I just need for you to more consistently ask yourself, where's your edge? And it's it, it, in wow. some ways, it d- doesn't seem like that might sting or be hurtful, but it really hurt because I wanted to be a fantastic leader. Even in my early 20s, I just wanted to be like the best that I could be. Um, and to hear my boss say, You're really playing it safe. You're overcalculating. You're not taking risks. Felt like a dagger to what I wanted to be, and Hmm. so for years afterwards, like probably five, seven years, I had a little just crappy computer printout that said "Where's your edge?" and I would have it on like a bulletin board, or I'd have it as my screensaver, or I'd have it like posted up on my desk that would just remind me that that leadership and decision making and taking people to places where they don't want to go but need to go like all of that was really required me to take risk and to not know all of the answers or to be able to project the outcome but just to push and and go kind of beyond myself so that's the first like real memory that i had of of something vocationally on the like interior side of things I remember I was 19 years old, and it was the first kind of real disaster that I saw in leadership um, from a couple of other people that directly impacted my own work and my own life. And somebody had just made some stupid decisions. It really hurt a whole bunch of people, and it sent me into a pretty dark place internally. And I remember getting a card in the mail from my dad, 19 years old, and it was kind of an ugly card. Like it was kind of brownish and like yellowish and, you know, one of those just like cheesy Hallmark cards. Um, And then he wrote some words on the inside of it. And the only thing that I remember from the inside is God cares more about your character than your comfort. And I, like, swore and, like, pitched that card across the room. And I was like, screw that. Because the thing that I want most right now is my comfort. And that was, like, the first time that I understood how important comfort was to me. But how that is oftentimes in direct opposition to me becoming the person that I am intended to be. And to, to be able to do the things that I'm am created to do in this world. And so character for me over the last, that's been 20 years now, Um, has been the thing that has driven me to the external stuff is character is more important than comfort. So I think those are the two experiences like in the early days of my adult life, you know, and learning to adult (laughs) that helped me to kind of choose a path that has been really beneficial.
0: Yeah. So what you say about comfort, I think is really interesting because the process of I think these you know, there's these two ideas about the roles that mentors and guides can can play in our lives, and one of them really does lean into this idea of, and maybe it's just an overhang of kind of millennial helicopter parented people. <laughs> I don't know. This idea that 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 a mentor really is just someone who's there to encourage you and pat you on the back and 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 help keep you in the right direction, but it's overwhelmingly a positive. You know experience it's one that's yeah. it's one that's probably more on the comforting side yeah but I think the reality is that if we really want to fine-tune if we really want to home if we want to really want to get sharp actually that process of allowing people to speak into our lives is a painful one yeah uh, my okay. uh, my friend Jeff Crabtree he was a guest in season one um, and he actually um, he sent something out yesterday via his um, Zebra Collective group, and it said, um, criticism hurts more than encouragement heals. Yeah. And first time you read that, you think, yeah, absolutely. Criticism totally hurts more than encouragement heals. And then I sat with it for a little bit because oftentimes what he's saying is something a little more complex than what immediately appears. Yeah. And what I then realized is that actually, not only does criticism hurt more than encouragement can heal, but really, actually, what he's saying is is encouragement doesn't necessarily heal in the way that uh, we need it. At least that's that's what stood out to yeah, me from that yeah I was just like oh well, yeah encouragement cannot necessarily get you where you need to go, especially if where you need to go is actually a pivot. Right. So I, I'm curious about then because you spoke about comfort and about liking comfort <laughs> um, yeah. what do you think has made it possible? the act of inviting people to speak into your life and to call you out on stuff. That's a, that's an act of bravery. What do you think makes it possible to do that over time? Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't happen. Yeah. Nobody's walking around going, wait, who's somebody I can throw some, throw some helpful criticism at today. <laughs> <Or> maybe,
2: uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm not looking for mean people. Cause I've got a, my own internal conversation that can be harsh enough. I think that like even expanding on that encouragement word I, I think encouragement is healing actually when it is true to the root definition of that word and to encourage someone is to actually speak courage into them and mm-hmm. and so I think that I I actually look for folks to speak into my life that are going to pull courage out of me um not just say like oh April you're so great and you're so gifted and you're so smart you know like that doesn't do anything other than inflate an unhealthy ego within me, right? But yeah, I do want yeah. folks that are gonna call something out on me and to speak the courage both externally and to pull it out from within that will move me toward a healthier and better self. And so mm-hmm. I think that's one aspect is like are folks doing that for me, you know, men and women. Um, and I would I would say a lot of the folks that I have um asked to speak into my life either formally or I've just kind of soaked stuff up. A lot of them are older, but a good portion of them are peers or even folks that are younger than me. I don't think that that wisdom and guides and voices knows an age. Um mm-hmm. and I think that another aspect of it is I I just looked at people and have asked myself the question like do I want to be like them when I grow up? You know like I'm almost 40 years old. I'm fairly grown up at this point in my life. But like, do I do I want to be like them the older that I get? And is there something that they have that I want more of? And so sometimes it means that there are people who are very similar to me and are just more mature or developed or, you know, living more into that aspect. But then there's also other folks that are really different from me. And that share, or that have really different perspectives, or experiences, or personalities, that I just know, like this is going to pull something and and curate something a little bit deeper or more significant within me that I'm not going to be able to get by just becoming like just more of just more of the same thing. Do you know what I mean? That, that wasn't terribly yeah. articulate right there, but I think it's kind of a both and for me. And asking some Mm -hmm. of those folks. But then there's also been a lot of people, like I remember uh, Mindy Calaguire has been a spiritual director to me since, oh gosh, early 2000s, late 90s. I mean, it's been forever. And I remember asking her, however many years ago that is now, almost 20, if she would mentor me and, um, she had a pretty high capacity job at that point. She had young kids. Uh, she just had a lot going on. And I was like, Mindy, will you mentor me? And she's like, sorry, I don't have time. And I just kept asking her out for coffee. And I kept just kind of like bumping into her on purpose. And after about six months, she looked at me and she goes, you did it. And I was like, what? And she's like, I, I'm like mentoring you, (laughs) you like bait and switched me. You just kind of kept showing up and asking me out. And lo and behold, I'm actually pouring into you more than I thought that I was, had the time for. So there's been a lot of folks like that too, um, because I find that, especially the people that I don't pay, they're already like really busy people because they're they're phenomenal, you know? And so if I'm going to, if I'm going to glean some stuff from them, it's going to probably be just a little bit more intentional work on my, on my side to make sure that I can rub shoulders and hang out and glean the stuff from them that I
0: need in my own life. Hey there transformationists, hope you're enjoying the episode so far, it's time for the ad read. That's right, if you haven't been to thetransformationist.org yet, then please head along and subscribe to our email newsletter. You can also tell your transformation story there and why not share with me and the broader community what kind of transformation is going on in your own life or perhaps you've got a question that you want to ask. I'd love to engage with you in conversation and the other thing you can do is actually book in for a transformation session of your own. I've got a couple of workshops that are available and you can sign up directly from the website, book yourself in at a time that suits. Uh, You can look at working on alignment, where do your values and outcomes uh, fit in your day-to-day life if you're looking for some new direction, uh, or if you just want to have a chat about coaching and about how transformation coaching can make a difference in your day-to-day life, then head along to thetransformationist.org. I would love to chat more with you there. Now, back to the episode April what does it take for you to be able to because obviously when there's something specific that you know okay there's there's a wisdom there's an insight there's a something mm-hmm. and that person over there that I want to pull into my own experience that's that seems to me like that's in that's in, the thing the thing that you've got to get over in that instance is just the bravery of being like okay I'm going to reach out and I'm going to keep reaching out until I get from you what I need mm-hmm. <laughs> um but, but what is the, what's required, because I think it's often different for different people, what's been yeah. required for you to allow people to to speak in and for some of those things to land yeah. um, when it's the stuff that you don't know, when it's the stuff that you're not prescribing as a path of growth for yourself?
2: Oh, that last phrase just kind of threw me off a little bit because that's good divergent thinking. Um. I think I have to start though with what it is that I know that I need, because you don't know mm-hmm. what you don't know, right? Um, yeah. So I never go into a relationship with somebody and be and say like, "This is what I need," but I don't know that I need it. <laughs> like, it's more of a starting point of, "I know that you can teach me about self leadership or about building teams or about starting a business," and and so I'm going to start from the place of what I know that I need, and I mm-hmm. need to do the work to be able to articulate the questions or um, at least kind of like foster a conversation. Uh, Curiosity is one of my favorite people, human qualities, but I think it's essential in leadership to be curious. And so I am constantly trying to just cultivate that in my own life. Um, And so- Did you know that Einstein
0: called it holy? No. Curiosity was holy. He said, "Never lose a holy curiosity." Uh, <gasps> then, yeah, it's an it's it's. Uh, when I first started my when I first started my business years and years and years ago, mm-hmm. I had we, I had it on the website because it's such a powerful idea that that the that the act of exploration and asking questions wow. and being curious about anything yeah. is holy and sacred.
2: It yeah, I mean, I'm a little speechless right now. I think. I mean, that resonates so deeply and it's part of what curiosity is to me is also like really mysterious. It, it admits, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know things and I'm trying to figure some stuff out and I want to learn more. So that's an inherent humility there too. And I think the best way through judgment is curiosity. So yeah, I just, I look for that um, within myself as I'm pursuing some folks. Um, And then, I don't know, I I think you just have to get over yourself a bit, you know, (laughs) and and not be thinking so much about rejection or what they might think of you or uh, what, how's this going to go over the next six months or 80,000 years in this relationship with this person. And just stop overthinking it and do what the next step is and and ask the question or have the conversation or take the person out for a glass of wine. You know what I mean? Instead of trying to map something big and grandiose out and thinking like, oh my gosh, am I worthy of this person's time? Like You just kind of have to get over yourself and do what you need to do to, to get the yes from them. Um, mm. And then I think the other thing that is really helpful for me is I still want to add value to that other person's life. So I always am thinking through a mutual relationship Um, and not that I'm going to like turn and be their guide, but I want to add value to that relationship and to that person. So whether that is kindness or, you know, paying for their glass of wine when we go out or you know, extending some encouragement to them, whatever, whatever it may be, I want to, you know, maybe they got kids, like I was a youth pastor forever. And so like, just even knowing their family or knowing their kids or spending time with them, like, I want to make sure that I am contributing, um, as much as I am withdrawing from them, because I don't want to leave a deficit in somebody's life in that way. I want there to be some mutuality there. So those, those different things kind of help me go, I, this is a worthwhile investment for me and for them.
0: Mm -hmm. So when you talk about wanting to start with what you start with, what you know, you need to know, um, I think that's how you phrased it or something similar, um, in your own life, because I think it's fascinating, particularly like with, with people like you and I, when we do this kind of work with other people, it's re- you know I I noticed that the the things that I encourage and work with my clients to do is they're sort of spacing out. Okay, what's the next thing, and what do I need to learn, and what do I need to grow in in order to get to the place I'm trying to go. Um, h- how do you turn that around for yourself? Is that is that something that you've refined into a practice over the years, or is it kind of ad hoc? Like how how do you figure out what the what the next area of growth is for yourself?
2: Well, if it's somebody that I've kind of pinged historically, like um, there's a woman named Nancy that uh, pretty consistently over the last decade, she's spoken into my life. And there could be months and months that go by between conversations with her. And then there can be little blitzes of time where I'm like, oh my gosh, I just, I need you in my ear pretty consistently. And um, so if it's somebody that's got some historical background like that, I will... If I'm feeling stuck, I will ask them, like I'll ask Nancy, like, is there something that you're seeing that I'm not seeing? Or is there an area that mm-hmm. we need to go into next? Is there is there something that is becoming a liability for me? Um, what am I missing? And so... That's a good
0: question. Yeah. I, oh, my
1: God. I
2: mean, because I, I get stuck... Regularly, you know, it's just, of course, I'm doing what I know I need to do, but sometimes the things that you need to do are new things. And because they're new, you don't know that you need to do them. And so having these voices from the outside speak into that and be some guidance are really critical. So, what am I missing? What am I not seeing here? Um, Tell me if I'm wrong. There have been, you know, painful experiences in my journey that I think that I'm like, Pretty spot on in my assessment of what's what's going down, but I will ask them like, "Am I am I wrong here? Am I going crazy? Is this not what I think that it is?" And I would say they are consistently like encouraging going back to that word around kind of making the crazy go away and going, "You're not. This is these things are true, but maybe here's another perspective or a different question to ask." And so. Um, I think that those are kind of the most consistent ways that I'm, I'm, I'm looking for them to pull out or notice something in me that I can't notice in myself.
0: Mm. One of the things that I think is so interesting about just life and the human experience is that no matter how no matter how good it gets, um, pain presents itself uh-huh. in different ways. Uh, no matter how good it gets, yeah. And so you you kind of referenced, um, you know that that life has has had its painful moments. I wanted to ask about, you know, what happens in the space of because we've talked so far around really this idea of of mentorship when it's when it's in kind of a growth trajectory, yeah. you know, when it's when it's coming from a positive space. What happens in the moments that life gets interrupted? Yeah. Um. What what role What role is there or what's the, what's the, what's the goodness that can come out of having, you know, a group of, of guides or mentors around you, um, in
2: those spaces? That is a rich and layered question. Um, so I would say since I was maybe 17 or 18 years old, I have had six, I'm 39, almost 40. Yeehaw. Um I think since in the last like 20 plus years, I've had six really painful chapters of life. And sometimes the chapter is like four pages, and other times the chapter felt like it was going on for like an eternity. Um, so that's you know, every couple of years there has been a significant dip that has been very disorienting and has felt like a pattern interruption. Some of those have been personal, probably half have been personal and half have been professional. Um, one of the things that I believe to be true is my former boss, um, said that pain can become your platform for power. And I really believe that. I think it, it has the potential to become something powerful and not in a megalomaniac, egotistical, like authoritarian kind of way, but like from a deep Mm. sense of inner personal power for the betterment of the world. And so every time I have hit a painful season, with which the man who said that actually is one of those pain points for me. <laughs> and that experience, the the working relationship uh, with him was one of the really difficult, painful seasons or chapters of my life. But mm. he was absolutely right. And I am so grateful for him. And I am so grateful for that little nugget a truth because it has it has caused me to not look at pain as like a distraction or as an unnecessary blip on the radar, but really as an opportunity to go to some places I naturally wouldn't go um, so that I can become something that only pain has the potential to produce that kind of power. Um, so mm-hmm. I think that has kind of been like a guiding framework for me, at least over the last 15 years. Um but yeah, I just I really think like pain, we can't waste it. It's it's there for something. And sometimes it's to reveal your own stupidity and your own naivete or your own poor decision making. Um, sometimes stuff just happens to you and you are kind of the innocent bystander in the midst of it. But no matter where pain hits you on whatever part of the spectrum, um, I I think it would be really sad to lose what the potential is from it. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I I think absolutely. And and anybody who's been through any kind of painful chapter and, and come far enough out the back end of it to be able to recognize what the gift was, um, that I think can, can undoubtedly relate. I'm curious, um, I'm curious to know what your, uh, whether or not in those moments of pain, you know, are there people that you reach out to specifically or do the, is, you know, I'm curious as to whether or not one of the benefits of crafting these longstanding kind of guide relationships is that in the moments of trauma, they kind of gather to the sidelines. So what's, what's your experience being of that?
2: Yeah. Yeah. There's three people that like rage to the surface right away. Um, One is Diane. Um, our kids like to call her Gigi because she's like their, their third grandma. Um, Mm -hmm. and she walked with me through a couple of years of really dark infertility and she like held my hand and let me cry, but she also wouldn't let me like sink into the depths of despair and like lose myself in the midst of a circumstance. And so one of the, one of the Mm -hmm. guiding questions that she asked to me is stop asking why this is happening to you and start asking what what am I supposed to become? What am I supposed to learn? Uh, what am I supposed to do with this? And I was so pissed at her when she said that, because I was like, that's such an unthoughtful, unempathetic, unkind thing to say. But at, at the same
0: time- How dare somebody try and actually help you move through pain as opposed to just like handing you the tissues totally, in the midst Totally,
2: it. <laughs> totally. And I feel like I've got friends like that But the people that like you want to guide you through that aren't going to just hand you the tissues, you know? I think we need both. Um, But Diane has been one of those people. And so even just this last year, like had another pattern interruption in my life that was really painful. And Diane was literally one of the first people that I called, um... Both for the fact that I knew that she wasn't gonna hand me tissues and she was gonna like kick my butt through it, but also because like she's a really smart person, a really smart businesswoman, a really smart lawyer who like could give me some guidance and help me figure out like how to make sense of things. Um, so Diana's one, Nancy, who I mentioned earlier, has been that person. And she's just, she's not somebody who ever lets me get away with crap. Um she just kicks my butt. She really does, like very consistently. And there's, there's something really restorative about that for me, um, to just, cause I can just sit in my own stuff pretty easily and naturally on my own. I don't, I don't need somebody to like assist me in that. I needed somebody to assist me to the next place. And then Mindy, who I mentioned earlier too, is, is also one of those people. And she does a beautiful job of like connecting to my heart and like hearing the emotional range and depth of where I'm at and what I'm experiencing. But she's always calling me forward, always calling me to like what's possible as a result of of this painful thing. And I'm just so grateful for that because, you know, I, I I'm not a masochist. Like it's not like I want to just live in a painful, crappy place forever and ever. Amen. Like I I want something <laughs> to good to come from it um, for myself and for others. Um you know, Bonhoeffer said, God's God's word to us is almost always for the other. And so part of my perspective when it comes to pain and pattern interruptions and difficult experiences is I want to like suck the marrow out of this experience for myself because I believe that it's probably going to be a word for somebody else down the road. And if I don't experience mm-hmm. all that I can from this situation, then other people are going to get robbed. And so like no one wins there and I like winning. So like, let's, let's let everybody win throughout the mess of it all.
0: Yeah. I think, um, you know, there's, there's no, there's no like minimum time period before the lessons we learn through pain become opportunities and, and and gifts Mm -hmm. for other people. Um, I, I was speaking with a friend earlier this week who's gone through just an incredibly just what I would call brutal, like there is no beauty about it. The experience has been brutal in the last year. Mm. And and he reached out uh, this week to say, wow, I'm all of a sudden, I find myself turning around and giving some of the same gifts I've learned and experienced to someone else who's now going through the same thing. And that's been, you know, within the space of of a couple of weeks of his experience kind of coming to an end, which I just think is, you know, it's fascinating how quickly – we can turn from um, those in need of healing to those who actually become the healer yeah. when we're able to launch ourselves into this process of, oh yeah, other people are there, not just to witness my journey, but actually to help, you know, pull yeah. me forward. I love the language is about calling me forward, pulling me mm-hmm. forward, asking me what's next. Um, I do, I do wonder sometimes like, uh, I mean, you're, you, you, you're such a s you have such a strong personality <laughs> in a good way. I mean, a very good way. You know that I, I do, too, girl. you know, but, but even, but even as you, uh, even as you, you know, you speak, you're speaking with, with confidence and the assuredness of someone who's done this a number of times now. And so it's, you know, it's become natural. You sound comfortable with the discomfort of walking through painful seasons, knowing there can be a positive outcome at the yeah. end. Uh, I'm thinking about all the people who are listening to this just going, what are you even talking about? In the midst of my pain, I want someone to give me a hug, not kick me in the butt. Yeah. I don't want
1: people yeah. calling me out on my crap.
0: Yeah. Um, I wonder if you, you know, it, it, from your experience, what's the invitation mm. that, that that you can offer to people to, to take that first step into letting other people call them on their crap yeah. or inviting people into their Journey. Yeah,
2: that's that's good, and thank you for just articulating that and acknowledging that because I think that that's true about how I'm wired, my personality. Um, I think some of even how I speak about this is the fact that I've been working on these muscles for 20 years, and so certainly this mm. is not what I talked like or sounded like or articulated 20 years ago. But I've been committed to that journey, and so just as when you work out like I know you're a runner Tosh like you can do today what you couldn't do five years ago because of your commitment to the exercise right and Mm -hmm. the same is absolutely true when it comes to anything with character or inviting voices into your life or becoming who you've been created to be um I just I think for myself and and the invitation for others is like when you're old and gray or when you are breathing your last breath, like, who do you want to be? What do you want to look like? What do you want to have accomplished? Like, what's the, what's the vision? Um, what would be some of those things that you would want to be said about you, you know, in your own funeral? Um, what are kind of the, what's the living legacy that you would want to be true about you? And I think all of us can articulate aspects of that right now. We might not have the full picture of that, but I think that there are things that all of us would say, we want this to be true of us. We want people to speak this about our lives. And so if you can articulate that, then that's how you start working toward it. Um, and those are the muscles that you start to exercise and work out and also rest and recover. Um, but the truth is, like even from my own life, I am I'm not there yet. You know, I mean, last night at 10 o'clock, I was whining in the kitchen to my husband about all that I need to do and how overwhelmed I am. And I'm launching a business this year that is like, I've loads of vision for that's way beyond me. And it just feels utterly paralyzing and terrifying at times. And I just think, what the hell do I think that I'm doing? Like, I just want to go get a normal job where somebody just pays me to do the work that I'm doing. And so there's, there's not like this arrival place that any of us come to. And um, I think that, I think that if we're growing, there's going to be this sense of like insecurity and the sense of like, am I really doing the right thing? Or is this really, am I on the right path? Or is this the the left that I should be taking? Or should I be turning right instead? There's going to be all kinds of that inadequacy and sense of like crap, you know? So, um, yeah, for me, it comes back to vision, but then working it out and doing what you need to do so that you can become a little bit more like that today than you were yesterday.
0: Uh, before we, before we wrap, and I know you need to jet soon, but I wanted to ask one more question because we live in a world of like me too chaos. And a time where I think, you know, relationships between the genders are more complicated perhaps than they've ever been before because, you know, the the rule book, the patriarchal, very Mm old-fashioned rule book, um, has been worn out to a certain extent in certain parts of culture, right? In certain parts of Western culture, the old, the old kind of way of navigating relationships between men and women is yeah. done. It still exists in other places. I'm curious to know from this idea of mentorship and, and, and guides and leadership, you know, what's your take on can, can men and women learn from each other? Can they mentor and guide one another? Can they do that healthily and in you know, successful ways? Um, because I, you know, one of the, one of the things that, um, that I've noticed as we're talking is how many of your um, guides and how many of your mentors are, you know, women, which I think is a really wonderful thing. But I'm, I'm curious about this idea of, you know, is it, is it possible in the culture we live in now for, for us to, to learn from, the opposite sex without it being messy and chaotic. yes,
2: absolutely, unequivocally, a thousand percent. Yes, 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 yes. Um, <clears throat> I'm kind of sad that I just mentioned a bunch of women in my guides because I think, uh, I mean, you know, Hendre, my coach who also helped train you in coaching, has been a phenomenal guide and voice in my life for over a decade. Um, Dave G and, um, Oh gosh, I'm gonna start drawing blanks here. Uh, I have a therapist that Dr. <laughs> Henslin that I have seen over the last ten to fifteen years at different points. So there have have certainly been a lot of voices. Uh, I've got Mike and Abe are two of my best friends. Um, they are they're phenomenal men. They're phenomenal husbands and fathers as well. But they are they're two of my Closest, dearest friends. So I most definitely think that men and women can and need to be friends because there are things that, like Mike and Abe specifically, will see and an experience of me that I need that's different from Julie or from Aaron or from Brooklyn. You know, there are they are just very unique perspectives, and and so I think it's essential. Um, I remember in the early days of our marriage. Brian is like as much about burn down the patriarchy as I am. And part of the reason I love him and I'm married to him. But in the early days, as we were kind of even building deeper trust and intimacy and our relationship with each other, there was um, probably five years worth where, maybe three, where I would like let him know, okay, I'm going to go have lunch with Dave today, or I'm taking out John for coffee, or I'm um, meeting this person for whatever. And that was a consistent practice so that he knew when I was meeting one-on-one or when I was going to be spending extended time with somebody of the opposite sex. But the truth is, is that in all the work that I've done for 20 plus years, it has been male dominated. I have been the minority in gender in age and in um, ethnicity for most of the last 20 years. And so, if I can't couldn't figure out how to engage relationally with men, there's no way where I'd be today, where I am. Um, so it kind of like it kind of became a necessity for me to figure that out. But also, um, it's just been really important for my growth, and and I practice that now. I mean, a good bit of the folks that I coach and speak into are men. And I think that they're better for it to have a woman speaking into their life. So yesterday, men, we need more and more of it and we need to stop being so freaking afraid of it and just figure out how to do, do it smarter.
0: I, I, can't, I cannot think of a better place to, uh, to end. I wanted to thank you so much for sharing your story and also your um, insight. And, um, you know, if there was one invitation or encouragement that you would offer to people who are, uh, beginning to engage or think about the the journey of transformation, what would that be?
1: Oh,
2: you are enough, and we need all of you in this world. So no hiding, no holding back, no half-ass version, no um, partial participation. We need all of you, and and that's enough. You don't have to pretend to be somebody else. You don't have to fake something you don't have to wear a mask like we just we need you fully as you are and fully showing up and the world will be a better place because of that that's it
0: you can check out april's podcast the global fringe available everywhere season two has just kicked off is that correct yeah oh all right get into it (laughs)
1: Thanks so much. Hi, it's Tash, and it's time for the credits. Thanks for joining us on this episode of The Transformationist. Please subscribe, rate, and review this episode wherever you listen to it and share it with a friend. Visit thetransformationist.org for links to the resources mentioned in this episode and to subscribe to our email updates. You can also share your transformation story with us there, and I would love to hear from you. As always, this episode is produced by Michael Yoda at Truthwork Media. Music is by Hans Van Vliet. For more about me and the transformation work I do, check out the website. This show is proudly made possible by Solar Feeder Consulting.